please be advised. The Kind of Movie Critics podcast may contain spoilers. This includes most of the movies you're going to want to see. This shit also contains profanity, so there's that. Enjoy. Yo, yo, it's Treasy. It's Martin the Mailman. And I'm Young Lazy. We're the Kind of Movie Critics crew. Uh, in full consistency mode, man. We we like four. We like four and four weeks. Is that what it's looking like right now? No, nah, Corey was here for the last one. No, I'm talking about in terms of us just outputting oh. episodes. Yeah. Oh, my bad. Yeah, I thought, yeah. I thought you meant consistency mode, meaning we're the most consistent. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I wasn't nah, consistent. Yeah, I wasn't, wasn't here for Irishman. Irishman. Yeah. But what what are we like? This would be. This is like four episodes in four weeks, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of like a world record for us, isn't it? Yeah. Don't expect this shit going forward. Yeah. You know, it's just a bunch of good shit is out at one time. So, um, there's still uncut gems. I know I'm trying to do one of them. Uh, one of uncut gems. What else is coming out that we trying to do? Podcast. I don't on. know what else. The three of us went to see Waves the other day. I thought that shit was dope. Yes, Waves was great. Well, that's right. Martin didn't like that. Martin shit. was like, man, it's okay. Yeah. I like the second half more than the first half. <laughs> I agree. I tell you, man, they they did a really good job with that trailer. Trailer con- uh, concealing. The full intention of that film. Yeah. I didn't know what the hell that movie was about. I just knew that Kelvin Harrison was in it and SK Brown was in it. And I was like, oh, I'm going. Yeah. That was it was that was that was a pleasant surprise that film was. Um at about the two hour mark, I had to go pee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pissed me off. I got so tickled. Mm-hmm. I was like, I was like, yo, this nigga, this nigga was telling the truth. He really do be having to pee every two hours. Yeah. You know, uh consequently, I went back and watched uh another one of the director's films, Cresha. I really enjoyed that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it isn't wasn't about like a lady that was homeless or something like. No, or was, it or was, she was about a, a woman addict, who had or? an ad- addiction issues, and she was like rejoining her family after being sober for like a year. Yeah, but it wasn't a documentary, right? Mm-hmm. But it was a film based on a real no, situation. It's more like improvisational. It's based on a real situation. The star of the movie is Kreisha Fairchild, who is actually the director's. Um, you know his name. I don't know it, mm. but the director's aunt. Okay. Um and. It's based on a situation I think that happened with one of his cousins. Gotcha. But it's it's really his family that you're looking at, right? Okay. Um, and like a lot of it's like improvised. They're not. A lot of them are not actors. It's just his family, and then they just sprinkled actors in. That's dope. I know that I know he did a short on it, and I think that ended up being like his first feature. It was his um, first feature, but it's yeah. on Netflix right now. I enjoyed oh, it. It's very like visceral, and it felt very real. It didn't feel like. A movie. It just felt like I was watching somebody's life. It's yeah. not a documentary or um or like it's not reality TV or anything like that. Right. But it, it definitely has the feel of like you're following this person's day. Right. Yeah. That's why I asked if it was a documentary because that's like that's how the poster looked like. No, nah, it's scripted. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. I, I like that guy. I mean, I liked um. You like it, it comes, comes at out night. At, yeah, it comes at night. I really like that. I know you guys were kind of. I didn't love yeah. it. It, and it's but. funny, my best friend was like, did you like It Comes at Night? And I was like, it's okay. Yeah. And I was like, you're not going to like it. And then she was determined to like it because I said I didn't. But, oh, okay, gotcha. But, but um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed Waves. Um, I'd encourage anyone to go see it. It's in yep. theaters now while you catch it. Yeah, select theaters apparently. It ain't really like a super widespread thing. Yeah, shout but. out to Cinemark who was only showing the shit at 10 o'clock at night. Made us drive all the way to goddamn Lynn Haven to see this movie at <laughs> a decent time. <laughs> yeah, Lynn Haven ain't that far at all. Far enough. Um, what else, man? What else is uh happening in the the news realm of things? Yeah, I gotta or... see that what Anti Bella movie. Antibella. That, that shit looks great. It, yeah, it looks oh, really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not really sold on Janelle Monet as an actress, but the premise of the movie, from what I can tell, looks like really fucking spooky and in super black. And those are two things that I love. So yeah, 
super, super, yeah. super black spooky shit. I'm there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it looks, I mean, it's a Blumhouse, right? Yeah. And so it looks like it's almost trying to capitalize off of Get Out. The success yeah. of Get Out. That's how, that's how it felt to me. You know what? I'm on this kick now. Um, I'm re- like, I really don't want to know too much going into a film. Like if I, if I watch the trailer and I like the aesthetic of it, or if I like the coloring, or if I like the actors, like I find something to grasp onto. However, it makes you feel. Yeah, and then I put it out of my brain. Like the the actual trip. Like I just want to experience it without really knowing. Because I like this kick of like not really knowing what I'm going to see, and you never know how people cut trailers. Like I feel like good. I feel like um <laughs> this uncut gems trailer might have shown too much. Like, yeah, I agree. There's like certain parts in it. I'm just like, all right. I feel like that's that's a pretty climactic point in the movie. I just I could feel that way, and it may not be, but um, that's how it seems to me. So it's like I just kind of want to give me like a teaser, just so I know how it feels. And then I let me just go in blind if if it's a movie that I want to subscribe to. The two movies that made me really appreciate that that sentiment mm-hmm. was probably the first one's probably Super Eight. Mm-hmm. I didn't know shit about that movie. And I was like, well, what is it? I got to go see what it is. Right. And I, I really enjoyed it because, you know, it was very nostalgia driven. Yeah. And then um, Interstellar. Oh, yeah. Which I fucking loved. Yeah. I'm just glad it didn't suck because they didn't tell you shit. Just yeah, like Nolan's yeah. doing with Tenet. Like, I ain't right. telling you shit. Just bring your ass to the theater. Right. But, you know, it, it, I think Tenet is a perfect example. Like, I but, I mean, well, Nolan's worked up a brand that we know it's going to be good anyway. Mm-hmm. But... The, the fucking teaser trailer shows you nothing. <laughs> Not at a damn all. thing. But like, I want to see it and just experience it for that. Uh, but speaking of which, though, um, I'm, I'm fresh off watching uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which was, to me, so far, is my favorite movie 2019. Did you watch yeah. that off my recommendation? or No, it was, I've been wanting to see it like okay. when, it, when it first came out. Come on now. Like, <laughs> because you said it, because you said it was on Amazon Prime, I went to it. Oh, okay. But yeah, but no, that was, uh, after, it, that's one of them joints I wanted to see off of seeing the poster. Wow. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if a movie, like, I can sort of, I've gotten to this plate where, place where it's like, I can see certain things and say the aesthetic of it at least is entertaining. You know, it's like they do like they do really good with marketing it or putting a certain feel in the forefront. So I didn't know anything about that film and I wouldn't have known anything about that film if it wasn't for the nod. Uh-huh. Like the nod did an episode on like Jimmy Fails and the story itself. So I knew what the movie was about like loosely. I didn't they didn't obviously give away any spoilers or anything like that. Right. And um, I knew that Jimmy Fails um, wrote it, and he was, like, on the show. And then I went and watched the trailer, and I was like, nah, I want to go see this. Like, uh, um, I really enjoyed it also. Martin hasn't watched it yet, yeah, which I think uh, is so weird because that just, like, seems right up your alley. That's a movie, for sure. Well, with me, it's like if it doesn't come out in theaters, and I know it's a good movie sometimes, it takes me a while to watch it just because I like watching good movies in the theater. Yeah, that that one didn't get released here because trust me, I was I was waiting for that. And yeah. oh, and I watched Loose, so oh, like I see Loose too. Yeah, yeah, like um, Loose Loose was good. Never came out here. The Last Black Man in San Francisco never came out yeah, here. Never made it. And I was pissed because I don't know indie films with black leads need as much support as they can get. And yeah. them not coming here just kind of made me upset. I think Loose may have been at the narrow for like two showings. Mm, but yeah, that was it. I missed it completely. Um. Well, I know just back to Last Black Man in San Francisco. Um, uh, the the director of photography is the same guy who DP'd Euphoria, 
So that, uh, okay. That's, like, he really knows how to light some black folks. Yeah, he knows how to do his thing. So film news. Uh, they're rebooting Bill and Ted's. <laughs> nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> yeah, nobody gives a, but, but what I will say, Ke- well, Keanu's on a fucking madman rampage. Apparently Matrix 4 and um, and what's the one he's been doing with the John gun? John Wick. John Wick 4. They're being released the same date in 2021. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So he's I, I, Keanu. I mean, somebody's got to do like a 30 for 30 on this nigga's career, man, because he went from <laughs> yeah. like this like surfer can't really act type dude to like one of Hollywood's biggest properties. What's funny is that his character in Bill and Ted is very similar to his character in Parenthood. I think Parenthood is the first thing I've ever seen him in. The uh, um, Ron Howard movie with Steve Martin. Never saw it. You never saw it. Joaquin Phoenix is mm. in that as a child. Oh, were Yeah. Mm, no. When he was being called Leif. <laughs> wow. I didn't realize that was the same person either until like I Googled it. <laughs> wow. I was like, what? You sure it's not one of the other brothers? Because they all no, got I'm the positive. crazy names. Him. Oh, okay. If you, if you put it in there, he was in space camp as Leif also when Leif. he was a child. I just didn't realize he was River Phoenix's brother. I didn't know his name when I was a child. Right. Yeah, but Keanu Reeves played the same character in both movies, and I want to say, like, Point Break was the first time oh, I man. saw him, like, be serious. Yeah, Point Break was the one where I was like, oh, I like this dude as a kid. That you was know. when I was like, we cute. Yeah. Oh, you funny. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he he did his thing in that, in that movie. That was, like, one of my favorite movies in the 90s, actually. It's funny looking back at it, because um, it's like, I wasn't really old enough to... I guess it was just good. It was just good action wise. You know what I'm saying? Like it, like it wasn't anything super special about it that I can remember. But it was just really good action sequences. I definitely and cried stuff at like the that. end. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was that was a pretty rough ending. Rest in peace, to Patrick Swayze. For sure. Um, what else, man? Is there anything else notable worth talking about here? I feel like. <laughs> counterproductive to the conversation we just had about movie theaters. I feel like you ruined the photograph for me now. I've been thinking about what you told me. I won't spoil it for y'all listeners. Just oh. know like yeah, but, but <laughs> this nigga be really paying attention to <laughs> stuff in trailers way more than I do. But that's what I'm saying. Like, yo, when you do too much in a trailer, it's like it's so it's and I and I hope I'm wrong. I hope right? you're wrong, too. I hope I'm wrong about my prediction, but. It's like, if I'm not, it's like, why would you do that? Like, why would you show us all why of this Why would you shit? give us the big reveal in yeah, the trailer? Yeah, just like, let us let us have it, man. You know? I, I don't know, man. It's a trailer. Like, movies being spoiled in the trailer, especially when you, after you see the movie and you go back and you look at the trailer and you're like, yo, this shit, everything was fucking right, right there. there. Star Wars kind of does that, but it's not as obvious. Mm, okay. See, I didn't think there's too many reveals in Star Wars. I thought it was just all about the journey. Both. It's kind of bold. There's, I think there's a big reveal in this movie. Anything else for news? What we've been watching? You see anything we're talking about recently, Martin? Um, not really. I mean, the expanse is back. I'm grateful for that. Shout out to Jeff Bezos, my future Lord and Savior. Oh wow! Whoa! <laughs> Praying <laughs> to that white guy. No. No, that whole sense, that whole sense was suspect, my nigga. And that nigga said, "Yo, I'm grateful." Uh, he saved one of my favorite shows. The expanse. That got canceled, so I'm glad. The boys said he didn't say Underground. And he put the uh, budget back in, a huge budget. Not a huge budget, but a better budget than sci fi was giving them. So, oh, okay. Oh, cool was a, that. That was, so it was a sci fi show? Yeah. Oh, The Expanse, huh? Now you can watch it commercial free? Yep. Oh, okay. Or is 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 sci fi commercial free already? No, it's not. It's not? It's not, okay. no. I don't know how sci fi is still on TV, but 
that if you like it, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into this Watchmen, man, because uh, it is a hot topic. Uh, a lot happened with this show. HBO is on a fucking roll, man. They need to cut us a check. We're two episodes. We're two for two. We just did Succession last episode. Now we're on fucking Watchmen, right? Yeah. Uh, HBO need to cut that check, man. Um, Get us in our marketing department. Right. What's up with that shit? Or at least, at very least, some free subscriptions. Yeah. <laughs> some free some HBO screeners. Go subscriptions. Yeah, something like that, man. Uh, but uh, if for some reason you, you just listen to this episode and you don't know what the title is, uh, we are talking about Watchmen. Um, uh, HBO's, I would say, what level will we put this property? It's not really like the high, high is this like the high end? This, I say right now yeah. the way they're marketing it, like they're marketing it above his dark materials. And that's like, those are like the two, I want to say like flagship things that are on right now. Right. Okay. So we are putting this in the high end flagship. Yeah. HBO I mean, territory. I don't think there's another HBO show that is up there for real. Uh-huh. Maybe Westworld at one time, but yeah. Did y'all see the number? Did y'all see the numbers that I put in the, um the, the uh-huh. article with the numbers in the group chat? I'm like, yo, between Game of Thrones and the next, whatever number two was after Game of Thrones, it was like a significant drop, man. I didn't realize that many people watched True Blood. Oh, where did they land in it? They were on the second list. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, so they were like, I I don't know. It's it's interesting to me because I don't understand how the HBO model um, really grows, right? Like, you kind of got a certain, like, do they thrive off consistency? Of like you just being a consistent member, or do they thrive off new membership? Like, um, a little of both, I think. Like with the streaming model that most people have now, HBO, when they put on certain shows, I think people will like sign up for a couple months and then suspend their accounts. Right, and people do that with cable anyway. Right. Um. So but, I think like when they bring certain shows back, it increases their viewership for those ad hoc people that come on and off. Right. Well, I like the way they do it. They kind of stagger their shows. They'll keep like two, three good ones in constant rotation. Mm-hmm. And then like as soon as those go off, they got something to replace it. Like I'm looking forward to this outside, the Outsiders joint. That looks good. It That's looks the one real. with Jason Bateman? Yes, the Stephen King and joint. And Cynthia Erivo, yeah. And, um, and the other guy, man, from, I forget his name always, but he's an Australian actor. First time I saw him was in, um, first time I saw him was in this movie called Animal Kingdom. Um, I have no idea. Uh, and then he was in Bloodline. He played the older brother. Oh yeah, yeah. he's he's in Star Wars. Oh, well, he's yeah. in Rogue, he's One. Rogue One. Rogue One. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. Yeah, he's also in it too. He's isn't a very he the bad guy in Ready Player One? I didn't see Ready, Ready Player One. I think so. Okay. He seems like he's got like a bad guy disposition to him. Yeah, but anyhow, um, yeah, Watchmen, man. Uh, we don't have uh, Corey here this episode to read us the synopsis. Do so. Do we want to? Do, do you want to do this, Shilly? I feel like we should let Martin do it, but I'm, you want me to go for it? <laughs> I mean, I can. It's set like thirty years after. Um, thirty years after the original. Why are you trying to wing it? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's set thirty years after the original. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like thirty years after. The, the original Watchmen. Um, Read it. What are you doing? Set in an alternate history where mass vigilantes are treated as outlaws, Watchmen embraces the nostalgia of the original groundbreaking graphic novel of the same name while attempting to break new ground on its own. Did you read the graphic novel, Martin? Yeah. Was it so um, between the movie 
and the you know Lindelof show like do any are any of them consistent with the graphic novel um yeah i mean uh yeah they're both consistent with the graphic novel i mean i don't think there's anything in Lindelof's show that you can't say is like you can't connect the dots between that and the uh, comic and as far as uh Zack Snyder's um movie I, it's basically the same thing mm-hmm. except for uh the ending has changed like the the huge squid or whatever that's like a bomb instead like a huge like bomb that he makes people believe is um Dr. Dr. Manhattan. Ah, gotcha. Okay. But in the comic is is a squid. Okay. Okay. All right, so um, how about you, Lizzie? You don't you you never read the graphic novel, did you? We don't read comics. We oh. wait till they make them into cartoons. Okay, <laughs> who's we? If you don't mind me asking, <laughs> me, myself, and I. Oh, okay. so. gotcha. <laughs> it's very good that you uh. But they, but they, I feel like I'm not the only person who is that way. That's like people are like, oh, you're really into like Marvel things. I'm like, no, like X Men for me was the '90s the 90s cartoon, which is on Disney Plus, I was super excited about. Right. Um, and I started watching again, but I wait until they make it into a visual, uh, you know, motion something or other. Right. But I'm not, I don't know anything about the comics. I remember when um, the Zack Snyder film came out and I found it to like, I guess because I didn't have the um, context of the backstory, I wasn't super excited about it. I was like, oh, okay, this seems cool. Right. And then like I tried to watch it and I was like very lost. Yeah, it was. It, I remember there being just a lot of questions on my side with the, with the movie. Like, what I was able to follow it, but I just felt like I wasn't. I was an outsider watching it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed like the style of it and things like that. But yeah, I remember kind of being lost. Whereas I did not feel that way with the show. I, I felt like I was bought in and was part of the inside crowd. Right. So after I watched the first episode, I went back and watched like YouTube video that kind of told me what happens in the graphic novel and the difference between the Zack Snyder films and graphic novel. And then I, I was like, okay, so that made me, and then I rewatched the first episode and I was like, I understand everything now. Okay. And then I rewatched the Zack Snyder movie and I fell asleep on it again. Oh uh, Yeah. I mean, I know what happens. It's fine, but gotcha. I yeah. fell asleep. Yeah, it's long. It is man. super long. Um. So we're how how do we how do we attack this thing, man? First of all, like uh, I didn't. I, you know what I didn't do? I didn't finish watching the leftovers. Right, like I I watched season one and maybe like half of season two. Mm-hmm. So, but I remember the tone of leftovers just being really like it had this thick sort of eerie. It was like ominous. attached to it. It was very ominous. Yeah. It was heavily ominous. So um, I personally didn't feel like I saw similarities to the style with this and like and um, leftovers, but it didn't really it for me, it didn't feel like the same showrunner. Did it feel like that with you? Yes and no. OK. Um. Yes and no. So, like, The Leftovers, when I first started watching it, like, made me very excited to watch it. Uh But The Leftovers had this way of, like, being confusing just for the sake of being confusing. It was just, there were parts of it that were very high art. And I was just like, what am I looking at? Um, Mm. (laughs) Like, the the first episode of, um, and you ever see like um, Space Odyssey and you're looking at the beginning where there's these these apes and yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, it was doing? the same kind of thing. Right. And they did that shit twice. And I'm like, why am I looking at this? 
I don't like having to read stuff to understand what's going on. Gotcha. Um, because you know, allegory. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to you, Corey. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't. I don't like having to read stuff to understand what's going on. And and one of the things that I was afraid would happen with Watchmen that actually didn't happen, um, was that like with the leftovers, it got to a point where it went full art. Okay. And I didn't, it was complete metaphor. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck's happening. Right. In the narrative, I understood what was happening, but I was like, what does any of this fucking mean? It just got too deep for me. If your shit's too deep for me, yeah. you didn't came out in China <laughs> yeah. and I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> so, so that, that happened to me with the leftovers at a certain point, like at the, in the last season, like as it was ending. Okay. No, no. In the second season. Gotcha. Uh, and I was just like, I don't, I don't know what the fuck's going on here. Regina King ended up in leftovers, didn't she? She was in the second season. Okay. See, I, so I her entire family it showed up in the Watchmen. Her family from um, the leftovers turned up in the Watchmen. Really? Uh-huh. I don't get it. So the guy that played her husband in The Leftovers, he did a cameo. Uh-huh. Um, that's the guy from Fade and Full. And then <laughs> the guy who played her husband in The Leftovers. In The Leftovers. Had a cameo. Had a cameo. In The Watchmen. In The Watchmen. And w- which I want to say Was it do was it a dude who played Calvin in in Fade and Full? Yes. The uh that was dating uh uh Ace's sister? Yes. Okay, I like him. He's a really good actor. He is. Yeah. If you didn't see it, he's he's so he's like very eerily like scary mm. and threatening in the leftovers. Interesting. He's in Snowfall too, but he's not like he's he plays uh homie's dad. But oh, anyway. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Oh, you're right. I saw that. Yeah. Um, and then the young hooded justice played mm. her son in the leftovers. Oh, so like her whole family is he. That's one thing. Like Lindelof fucks with people. Yeah. And um, he keeps them working. He keeps them working. The people that he fucks with. Okay. So. I didn't see Justin Thoreau didn't pop up in this, did he? I really okay. So that was one of my pr- predictions that Justin Thoreau was going to end up being Doctor Manhattan. Mm-hmm. But I like what they did instead. Right. Yeah. 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 I like what they did too. And I feel like I know the reason why, but we'll get to that. Later. <laughs> okay. I was gonna say you might as well jump on that bitch now, but maybe not. Um uh so I guess we could just I mean the conversation's kinda like, you know, succession we bounced around. I'm sure we're probably gonna, you know, do a lot of bouncing around here because there's just so much to sort of unpack here. Yeah. Um I'm 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 really gonna let y'all drive drive us through this, man, because I, I think you guys got a better handle on the material than I do. This is not real deep, but it was not real deep. I'm but glad I you think, trust us. You trust yourself too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I'll say for me, right off the rip, man. Um, just dealing with the whole like the Tulsa massacre. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know the Black Wall Street. It that, that it had me. The show had me from there. Um, literally from. When they when he stepped outside that theater, I was like, "Yep, I'm here." I'm, no, it, I'm it had me before. It had me before the Black Wall Street part of it. The funny part is that, like, when I sat down to watch it, well, <laughs> we were in the chat in the group chat, and Martin was like, "I ain't think Watchmen was going to start like this." I always read your yeah. I read your text in your voice. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "I didn't think Watchmen was going to start like this." Yeah. And then I watched it, and I was like, "Holy shit!" <laughs> right? Because I just wasn't expecting it. Even though I knew that Regina King was in it, I was like, okay, Damon Lindelof likes Regina King. They've right. worked together before, and she's dope, right? So I just didn't expect it to go this way. I just was like, okay, well, 
this is this is just going to be a continuation of like what I saw in the Zack Snyder movie. Mm. And then like it was immediately black as fuck. Mm-hmm. So I'm like Vassar Reeves. I'm like, wow, we we talking about real life, telling them to telling people that the Lone Ranger was black type shit. Right. So and I was like, wow, okay. And then when they had um the Black Wall Street massacre, I was like, Jesus Christ, yeah. we're going we're going here yeah. two minutes into the show. So right. I didn't I didn't have the um the context because you know. Not as dope as Martin. I don't read comics, but (laughs) I didn't have the context that um, the little boy was supposed to be Hooded Justice. And I was trying to figure out, like, how it all fit together. Right. Well, Martin, you you reading the graphic novel. Did you know that right off the rip? That's where it was going? Um, I I suspected he was Hooded Justice just because he wore the same colors. Right. But no, in the book Hooded Justice, nobody knows who he is. You just know that he had, like, a sexual relationship with... um, Captain Metropolis, right? Because the Night Owl, the original Night Owl, he wrote a he wrote a book like after he stopped being a vigilante, and he talked about his time being in the Minutemen, and he talked about that relationship. And Hooded Justice is also the guy who stops a comedian from sexually assaulting Silk Spectre. Oh, the I original mean, one, yeah, the original Silk Spectre, Sally okay. Jupiter, not Lori that you see in this show. Yeah. Gotcha. So okay, so and then but Hooded Justice is also. Uh, presumed to be white though, like through the mask. Yeah, through know. the mask, he's presumed to be white. Okay, so so this so him being black in this show was like a oh shit, like oh shit moment, right? Yeah. Okay. Um. So him I'm being sure, black and being queer because I guess like right. people regarded that idea as like a rumor to a certain extent, or do you think people accepted that he was queer already? I, mean, I always accepted that because I mean they said it in the. Like the, cause basically Watchmen is broken down like an issue, mm-hmm. and then they'll do something like Pedipedia, where it'll be like a essay or a this this book called Under the Hood, like an excerpt of mm-hmm. something like that, like just straight prose. And yeah, he talks about that relationship for a little bit, and the the whole situation with um the comedian mm-hmm. and the sexual assault is uh, hooded justice like beats him up and he fucks him up really bad, and comedian and the comedian figures out that like there's something sexual to this like encounter too. Like it's not just him like trying to stop this sexual assault. It's also him getting like some type of gratification or arousal out out of beating the shit out of him. Yeah. So, I mean, he was always gay to me. (laughs) (laughs) But a lot of people, I guess, probably tried to not think that. So. Yeah. It's funny, man. I was making uh, a bunch of wild ass predictions that like, that didn't I would, work out. Well, it just didn't work. This is like they wouldn't work out because they weren't consistent with the the source material, you know. It, right. So it's just it's funny looking back on it now. Some of the things that I thought um, and why they can't, you know, why it didn't work out. What and was, how, give how us an stupid. example. Um, I was like, uh, oh, Adrian Veidt, he's Doctor Hollywood or Doctor Manhattan. I, I keep saying Doctor Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was a Michael J. Fox movie, wasn't it? I have Doc Hollywood. Doc yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was like, oh, Adrian Veidt is Dr. Manhattan. You know, he got to be, like, you know, and it's just like, no, he's not. No, that wouldn't nah. be a thing. Exactly. Like, I was, me and, me and my wife were just, shout out to my wife, because we we were every week coming up with the the, with the wildest shit. And it was like, next episode, you're like, oh, yeah, we were wrong about that. <laughs> it, you know, she was, she, my wife was really heavily into it. She was probably the one that kept me watching it. Mm-hmm. So the first episode did a lot, man. Obviously, the pilot's. A lot of times they try to, stu- you know, they got to stuff in a, a cliffhanger to keep you coming back. 
Um, and with the cliffhanger on this one, it was obviously uh, Don, Johnson. Don Johnson being Judge. strung up from a tree, which I'm glad they finally explained how that happened. Because I was like, come on, fam, like this man in his wheelchair. That's hard to do as a, a grown man with like strength. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, but he act, he actually didn't need the wheelchair. It was a decoy. But well, yeah, facts. But I mean, fam was like 110. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like a like a man in his 30s. That's hard to do. I know? can't lift a, a 200 pound man. Nah. Okay, you feel me? So I'm glad they kind of went and explained that. But um, uh, so uh, were you guys in from episode one? The same oh, way I was. Absolutely. Okay. I was. I was in from. Uh, what was it called? Trust in the law. Yeah, trust in the law. Is that a real? Is that a real movie? So that's what I was wondering too. Well, Oscar Michelle is a real director, but that's not a real movie. Okay. Right. They made that for the show. Yeah, that's that's what I figured. I figured that, but I don't know. I, yeah, I, I figured it was made for the show because I, I wasn't familiar with Bass Reeves until you told me about him. Yeah, and um, I mean, being that I think it's interesting to if you think about what they did with Bass Reeves' story, mm-hmm. um, when they brought him to the screen, they made him a white man who had a native sidekick, also known as like the Lone Ranger. Right. So um learning that the Lone Ranger was actually black was funny to me too. Um and I like how there was foreshadowing there. Oh, yeah. That the the person who you is a is a dark shadowy figure it was saying so much, right? So mm-hmm. the sh- he's chasing the sheriff, mm-hmm. and the sheriff's supposed to be the person who helps you. But the dark shadowy figure, the black man, is actually the hero in this situation. And then that was that was like the basis of the entire series. Right. Yeah, <laughs> is that um, these people in the light who are who are meant to be our heroes are really doing the dirt in the dark? Yeah, that's very true. And uh, well, uh, well, obviously, along the uh, by the time we got to episode six, I realized that. Um, you know, that that was just a good commentary on representation as well. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because, he, you know, Hooded Justice saw the possibility of being that because of the Bass Reeves. Story film. being accessible to him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, all right. So what happens in episode one? We we, we learn about Sister Knight. Mm-hmm. Eggs, obviously, you know, when she was kind of talking about, you know, yolks mixing and stuff like that at the beginning. Eggs, you know, that was one thing I was pretty consistent on. I was like, man, they're trying to tell us something about eggs. And I referenced uh, Weldon Irvine has this, who's from Hampton, Virginia. He has this album cover called uh, Time Capsule. And he's holding like this hard-boiled egg. And I always thought about, when I think about like time and egg, like I always think about eggs in the context of time because of that album cover, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Like, so, um. Um, I didn't really understand Angela Abar and Don Johnson's relationship. It, it was very weird. He was her mentor. Yeah, but it was like when they got to, you know, when they were had the little outing at their at Abar's house, and they were like, singing. yeah, I, I I was getting vibes like they kind of had like a secret relationship, and that, that didn't that didn't there was nothing sexual about that to me. He seemed like. Someone that she had, he seemed like her cool uncle to me, like they were just very close. Right, right. Well, so what does that say? Now that that, that all played out and we understood, what was his name? I keep, I don't want to keep saying Judd. Judd yeah. Crawford. Um, with, with that all playing out, what is that saying where it's like this guy was, would we classify Judd as racist? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I, I thought He's so the too. the fucking clan. I thought so too, but like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know, and I don't know any outward, I don't know any outwardly racist people that would have that sort of relationship with an Angela Abel. Well, he was only doing that to get close to her because she's married to Dr. Manhattan. Oh, see, I didn't know all that. Yeah, that's why he did all that. I didn't know that they they knew who Dr. Manhattan... That's why he's at her 
hospital bed like as soon as she wakes up. So Judd knew that he was Dr. Manhattan. They figured it out on the white yeah. night. Oh, that's right. Well, but damn. But how- we don't know that in the beginning. Yeah, we yeah. don't know that in the beginning, but yeah. I mean, true. However, I think I I I don't think that that's he wasn't outwardly racist. Well, what I'm saying is I don't know anybody I don't know anybody to okay. I have relationships with white people, right? Me too. Okay. I don't know that they're racist to confirm that you would be that cool with me, but then racist behind closed doors. Like I don't like that. It doesn't like people that nothing ever surprises me when it comes to things like that. There are just certain things you're not going to say in mixed company um, about certain topics. There's conversations that you're just not going to have unless you are really, really pulling to have them. I went to high school where I went to high school. I know lots of nice people who probably don't think of themselves as racist, but yeah, well, I definitely do. Well, I, th- <laughs> so, I think if you have a clan outfit, you think of yourself as racist. Is what I'm trying to say. It's I don't like, think I don't I don't maybe, yeah. maybe because I think that the clan outfit initially, when you don't have all that context, is is a, a stand in for the Confederate flag. So people have relationships mm. with the Confederate flag and romanticizing the antebellum South, but will also tell you they're not racist and, that, and, and try to gaslight you to tell you that that doesn't stand for the thing that about it that offends you. Right. So you have the problem, not me. Like, uh, so, um, you know, fighting for your way of life, whatever the fuck that means. Yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, I think that lots of people do things that are that are racist and don't think of themselves as racist and have no problem like being friendly with you as a black person. Oh. Um, that friendly though, come over, eat your eat your food, hang with your kids. Yeah. Oh, okay. An hour ago, I was playing video games and it was a bunch of white people saying nigger. But I know in their regular life, they're probably cool with black people and they would never say that in real life. So I don't think that's pretty far fetched for me to believe. Okay. Well, I mean, I ain't saying it's far-fetched to believe. I'm just saying, I guess that's not a world that I understand. I mean, and also you have to think about at what what are people actually recognizing is racist? Like we don't say Voldemort's name, but so 45 and the things that he said and things that he's done. Um, it looks one way to you when you're a person of color, um, if you're a critically thinking person of color, right. and when you're not, you you rationalize it and say, oh, he's not racist, right? Or you accept that he is, and you just don't care. Okay. I I see your point. I think in his mind, he might not consider himself like the worst racist because when he dies or whatever, he's telling the guy, like, I'm trying to help you. No, we're talking about Judd. We're not talking about 45. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'm like, what else do he got to (laughs) do? Oh, yeah. But yeah, he says, like, I'm trying to help you people. So in his mind, he doesn't think he's racist, but he does believe in this, like, white supremacist power structure. Right. At the same time. Oh, okay. That's all. That's all. Uh, history one on one for Trees here. Um, what else happened in this first episode? That, that well, you get introduced to like this this whole society, right? Like this this different future or whatever, where like there's strict gun control. Mm-hmm. Um, right. That was off the. Yeah, I, I like that they the showed first, that. Yeah, that's yeah. the first scene after that. Everybody's massacre. liberal. Yeah. That the, the, the pervasive culture is more liberal. Okay. People got reparations. Yeah, yeah. Redfordations. Which uh, was was Robert Redford a stand-in for Ronald Reagan? 
in this no, situation? He's, no, he's, he's liberal. liberal. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously we're Reagan talking never about was president. In yeah, this yeah, 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 yeah. What I'm saying is, is that like, like the I'm idea just looking of an actor at, becoming yeah, president. Yeah, yeah the I time so. frames. Oh, I see what you're yeah, saying. I'm just saying because obviously we're talking about outside of the Tulsa, you know, massacre. We're talking about revisionist history to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, just looking at the time frame, who was president in '85? I think it was Reagan. I mean, I think it definitely was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think according to like the Pedipedia or something, basically there was this case where the, the uh, descendants of Tulsa sued the state of Oklahoma mm-hmm. and they lost basically because they said you guys weren't affected by this thing. But in this reality, they won. Mm-hmm. So what the, uh, what Redford did was instead of like all these black people being able to sue their states or sue the government, he basically said like, Black people don't have to pay income tax. And if you are like a descendant of a specific like um, instance of racial violence, like the Tulsa massacre, then you get a payout. Mm. And so that's what that's what brings so many black people to Tulsa, Oklahoma to live there. Ah, gotcha. And, okay. Thanks for giving that context because I didn't I didn't know that either. Yeah. Um, in this. So so it, does this is this consistent with the uh, graphic novel as well? Did the graphic novel deal with Tulsa? No, no not at all. The graphic uh-huh. novel doesn't really deal with race pretty much at all. Okay. I mean, Other besides the like Vietnamese. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, but uh, so the graphic novel is specifically about like mutually, ext- mutually assured destruction between the U.S. and Russia. Mm-hmm. How like there was the Cuban Missile Crisis, the Cold War, this idea that like at any time we could both destroy each other. Mm-hmm. And that's of course what Ozymandias' plan is to stop that. Mm-hmm. And that's what and that was the time at which the comic was created. So that's basically what the comic's about, mm-hmm. among other things. I mean, Watchmen is super layered between like that and just a commentary on like superheroes and a commentary on different ages of comics and stuff like that. So gotcha. it's it's really brilliant, like the how layered it is. And I guess I appreciate it this watch me because it's just as layered right whereas the Zack Snyder movie is pretty much just the mystery of like who killed the comedian uh-huh. and following that thread like the actual Watchmen book and this Watchmen is super super layered okay that's good stuff man uh, and, and I'm glad we had we have you here to sort of confirm these things because otherwise yeah. it would just be a dry <laughs> conversation with me um so what's the first um I mean, where do we go from here, right? First episode laid down a lot of foundation. We, For me, as somebody who is not familiar with any of the properties, I was just pulled into where it seemed like the story was going. Um, uh, did much happen? Two, three? I feel like not a lot um, happened until well, maybe about episode four. Like Lord Jupiter comes back. Well, we get introduced to Adrian Veidt, and we don't know where he is. Right. Um, Which I think is interesting because it starts – and it starts like seven years in the past. Yeah, I think so because it's like seven candles on the cake, so it might be something like that. Yeah. So every time we see him, it's a year later. Oh, I didn't. I didn't put that together. Yeah. Okay. So well, each episode, it's a year later. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So it, at first, you think that he's reliving the same day over and over. Mm-hmm. It's not that he's reliving the same day over and over. It's the same day a year later. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I thought that, okay. Help me understand. What was the, what was the purpose of him 
putting those bodies and, rearra- and rearranging them to give that message on the moon or whatever that was. He wanted to alert someone to come get his ass. <laughs> but wasn't there already a plan to, to, to have him bought back? No, no, she didn't know where he was. She didn't know he was there. Oh, okay. I thought I thought this was all uh-uh. orchestrated. Okay, see, there's some there's some holes for me that are missing in some of the plot, and I don't understand why there are holes there because it doesn't seem like they tried to hide it at all. I'm just like a terrible listener, I guess. So the it says save me D. Mm-hmm. So I think it was misdirection to make you think that he was like sending a message to Doctor Manhattan, right? But it ended up saying daughter because mm-hmm. we found out that. Uh, Lady True was indeed Vite's daughter. Um, I don't know, guys, man. Somebody else drive the boat here, man, and talk about what's important because I'm kind of – for me, it's A to Z. I just like the journey, but it, the point to be – until episode six, for me, it wasn't much to talk about. It was just it was just like, okay, cool. This is a good – oh, this is a good story. But, like, you know, six is when it started really pulling me in. Like, oh, shit. I like – I really like what I'm seeing. Um. um well, I, li- I listened to Pop Culture Happy Hour, and I was anticipating episode six up until it happened because that was when, like, all of them were, like, mind blown. Whoa. Um, and I was right. like, okay. It was good. And I was just like, yo. But before that, I liked the episode where Sally Jupiter is in the phone booth where she's placing a call yeah. to Dr. Manhattan and yeah. she tells a joke. I'm not sure um, exactly what Lindelof is trying to say there. But I thought it was interesting that she starts off as a mass vigilante and then she starts playing for the other team where she wants to catch them. And also she starts off um, in the previous story as like very traumatized by learning who her father is. But then she takes on his last name um, and she starts exhibiting some of his behaviors. Like her telling a joke is like very like consistent with what her father would do in that situation. Mm. So I, I don't know if that was a commentary on people and, and how they behave towards their own interests, how they behave towards their roots, what they're accepting of, how their opinions and their positions change over time. Mm. I don't know. I guess it could have been. Um, I think she ha- just has like a very nihilistic view of the world mm-hmm. after um after because imagine being a vigilante and saving people. Maybe you save like a couple hundred, maybe a couple thousand people over your career and then you're in this pact with this guy who just killed three million people. Right. So it's like everything up that you did up to that point, like she had a paradigm shift. Yeah, it's meaningless in a sense because she's actually aligned with the bad guy. Yeah. So Doctor Manhattan is a bad guy. No, Doctor no. Manhattan didn't do that. Adrian White Adrian did. Adrian White did. Ozymandias. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, you see what I'm saying? I'm slow. He put the squid lost. in New York and like killed a bunch of people. Oh no, you're talking about that. I'm see. I was talking about Vietnam. I, my bad. Oh, I thought you guys see, were talking about Vietnam. See, and yeah. that's the other thing about that. Like, who, it de- whether or not he's a bad guy in that situation depends on your perspective. Right. It's kind of like Thanos almost, right? Like, it's like. I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but is, is that kind of like the thing here? It's like he, he, what, he, what he's trying to do makes sense, but uh, it doesn't seem to work in favor of people. So th- therefore, he's perceived to be a bad guy. You're talking about Vite, right? No, I'm talking uh, about Doctor Manhattan. Oh, he won the Vietnam? war for us. Yeah. Okay. So if you if you perceive the 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 socialist agenda of the Viet Cong is evil, mm-hmm. then sure he's a hero. But if you're a person living there minding your own business and he just out here zapping niggas, right, like then he's a bad guy. Yeah, then okay. he's a monster. Right. And the only reason they couldn't outlaw him is because you know he can do whatever the fuck he wants yeah, <laughs> at yeah, a certain yeah. point. Right. Um. So so really, Vite's beef with him. 
is that you've got all this power and you ain't really doing shit with it. Or is that Lady True's beef with that's, him? That's everybody's that's, beef yeah, with him. Yeah, that's him. a lot okay, of people's that's beef with him. That's a lot of people's beef with him. Okay. Is there some truth to that? Like, you know, people that have this, is, is, is that kind of how it goes really in I real life? Know. Like, Maybe. I don't know if people misunderstand how what his experience is, especially because he's the only one having it. Uh-huh. Um, he obviously can do what he wants. He can create life. And maybe they think that he needs to be doing more. And maybe that's true. But at the same time, like, most of his gift is the way he experiences time. Mm-hmm. And, like, he has no control um, over what happens to him. He only gets to live it. And he gets to live it in perpetuity every second. Right. So it's like, what exactly do you expect him to do? He right. can't see the outcome of any situation. He can see the outcome of the situation, but only because he's living it. He can't do anything to change it. Right. Okay. So, but I but I get I get why. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's yeah, a lot. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. It's like she said. It's he. It's determinism. It's the idea that he he know in the comic in a certain way. Like he doesn't really want to interfere in human life too much, really, mm-hmm. because he's kind of disinterested in human life as the story goes on Mm -hmm. especially after what Ozymandias did and at the same time like he has these women that in his life too that are like clinging him to earth and he he just feels like as a god he doesn't want to be put his hand down too too much like be too influential in what goes on in the world Mm. he kind of wants people to work things out for themselves right in a sense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but even though he knows, I don't know, it's just complicated, I guess, man. Like if. Yeah, it's, know, it's, it's better not to think about it. Like he, he really can't do anything. Like he, what he's going to do is what he's going to do is what he's always going to do. Yeah. Like he can't change any of that. He could just experience it and remember it basically. Yeah. So, he, he remember, he remembers the future is what's happening. He's not seeing into the future. He remembers the future at every moment. Yeah, that's over my head, man. It's over my pay grade. So um, I don't know what's complicated about that, but I, well, <laughs> when because someone I don't, explained I don't, it to I, me that way, that's what helped me understand that he's not seeing the future; he's experiencing it all the time. He's experiencing all time, all the time, and that when he when he talks about the future, it's because it's a memory. So uh, I just don't understand how it could be a memory. Like, so where does he live? Everywhere, all the time. Yeah, so that's kind of crazy. So is he like a metaphor for God? He's more of a metaphor for Superman. Like if, like, to me, like a lot of the characters in the original Watchmen are kind of a metaphor for Superman and Batman. Like he's a metaphor for Superman in the sense that he's this like all-powerful being. And what would an all-powerful being do in like a real world? He probably wouldn't be that hands-on. He'll probably be like, I'm so much above this. Why would I even care? Yeah. And since in the Batman stuff is like Rorschach, Night Owl, and Ozymandias are kind of like three versions of Batman. Mm-hmm. Because Rorschach is kind of like the sociopath, the guy who, who you would think would go out in the middle of the night and beat people up and kill people right. who do wrong. And uh, Night Owl is like the tech gadget guy who would like create gadgets and stuff. And Ozymandias is like the billionaire 
thinks he's above above everybody else, and that's why he like fights crime and stuff like that. Mm. Okay. Um, Looking Glass. Let's get into Looking Glass. Um, I was he was like a proxy for Rorschach, but like not racist and homophobic. <laughs> yeah. He was like the anti Rorschach. Even the way, even the Looking Glass mask to me was like a wink and a nod to Rorschach. Yeah, definitely. What purpose did he really serve in this? Because it's like I thought he was going to have like a very like grand arc, but when it was all said and done, his his character really didn't do anything. I think he's like, what's the term you like to use? Audience surrogate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to a certain extent, especially like, episode five. Yeah. So him him just kind of like. Just not knowing what's going on right. and behaving like a normal human being would in any given situation. Yeah. Um, Led us to the plan. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I mean, like, he has every reason to be bought into the propaganda that's been thrown at him because it's it's like the allegory of the cave. He's behaving this way because these are the images that he's presented with, not knowing that, like, there's a puppeteer showing you all of these things. Right. Um, I really, I really, he didn't have a whole lot to do, but he was important. Because I would say, like, he, to me, had, like, the strictest... He's the most innocent, I guess. Like, he's the most innocent character of the show. He Mm. doesn't have any ulterior motives at all. And everybody else does. And apparently he was, like, psychologically fucked up from the 85 squid drop, right? I mean, of course. Mm. He has PTSD really fucking bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he marries Rorschach in the way that, like, I I think in a way Rorschach is kind of innocent because of like the trauma he experienced as a child, mm-hmm. but it's also a thing of like they both care about justice above all else. And at the end of the first, the original Watchmen, Rorschach cares about justice so much that he sacrifices his life for it or mm-hmm. gets killed for it. And at the end of this, he Looking Glass in the same way goes to Ozymandias. Like I'm not gonna stand for this. Like you're gonna have to pay and. It's a it's a completely different outcome. Yeah. Um, what else happened in his episode? We didn't um, know. We I thought I I knew he wasn't gonna get marked out, but I was just like I thought something else was gonna happen. Like right. I don't know. That that was kind of anticlimactic. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah. Like um, especially because everything gets tied up in the very last episode. Right. I just kind of figured that we were gonna get more out of that character. Yeah, me too. And we just didn't. Yeah. I mean, he saves the day. Um, but they all kind of do it together. Yeah, correct. Um, I like I I like uh the beginning of the introduction to Lady True that episode with the with the Clark the, family. Yeah, the farming family and. That whole thing. So what fell out the sky that she was like, that's mine? Oh, that's Adrian That was Vite, right? Yeah. yeah, okay. That's what I figured it was. And then I thought that was dope how how he was the statue. And yeah. That was really cool. It was, <laughs> it it was, was there the whole time. So is it safe to say that we were almost experiencing the show maybe kind of like Dr. Manhattan experienced this time? Like we were seeing things and. I mean, especially episode like a, uh, eight is like that. Yeah. It's the way he experienced his time. Okay. So you think that was done intentionally? Like, I'd say, and I, I'd say yes, because um, it's all over the place. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was so much less annoying than it is in Westworld. It was not as hard to keep up with. Agreed. What yeah. was going on when? Yeah. yeah. So I, it didn't, it didn't bother me. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that we're experiencing time like Doctor Manhattan, 
But I think that it's just the mystery. It's a it's an artistic choice. It's an editing choice. It's the mystery building on itself because you definitely could tell the story chronologically, right? And it still works. That's true. Out of curiosity, man, where can you get a prescription for these nostalgia pills? Because, would you want to? Uh, what would I? I was just telling somebody this the other day, man. I have I've never seen a picture of my mother younger than like 27, 26. How old were you when she was born? I was twenty. Oh, she she was twenty seven when she had me. Okay. So I've never I've, I've seen maybe like one picture of her younger than when she had me that I know of. You know what I'm saying? I have pictures of my mom when she was like. A teenager. Yeah, see, I don't... So, so for me, I would love to have nostalgia pills just so I can... I, don't, I wouldn't necessarily want to live through her life, but just to be able to see, you know... Um, Yo, <laughs> this is what I just thought about. Like, I wouldn't want to take my mom's nostalgia pills because, like, what if I jump into a memory of her smashing my dad? Like, I don't... That's weird. I don't want it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's real into the voidish right I mean, there. that's... No, that that's what happened to her. She jumped into his head when he was, he was like, smashing a dude. Like... Yeah. That was pretty bad. It just happened to not be anyone she knew, but still. Like, right, right. That was. A... Do you really want that? No, no, no. I mean, well, I don't want that part of it. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I do want. I do want to kind of see what her experience was. You know, I, 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 I get infatuated with, with that. Like just understanding who who my family is and where you come from, and just seeing the parallels. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't. I don't want to know my mom as a child, like a little child. Mm. Um, also, like, because her mother died when she was so very young, like, maybe I'd want to know my mom at, like, four years old so I can meet my grandma, that kind of stuff. Right. But, but like, after she's, like, a teenager, I'm good. You're straight. I don't, I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, I got you. <laughs> I oh. definitely want my grandparents because I've heard, like, when you, it's weird, like, the further, you, I don't know, this probably happens with every race, but especially mm-hmm. black people, it's like, the further back in generations you go, like the more horror stories you hear, right? Of, like how hard horrible it was for black people at, at a certain time, and I don't know if I want to experience that, but I want to. I want like they could tell me and be like, "Yeah, we couldn't go out after nine o'clock because you would get hanged." Like right, certain stuff like that. Like I can't just to, I can't even. Yeah, especially I can't even imagine that type of stuff. So just. Having that in a form where you could show somebody like, yeah, this is what it was like to be black at this time, yeah, is, is insane because I, it's, it's so hard. It's it's crazy how they talk about it too, like it all nonchalantly, like people were being slaughtered and murdered, and that's crazy. That takes me back to yeah. like the move tragedy, like me me bringing that up to my mom, being all angry about it when I found out about it. Maybe what that was maybe like ten years ago at this point, mm-hmm. but my mom like me finding out about it and wanting to talk to my mom about it, and she was like, "That's just how it was." I was like, "It was the fucking eighties. Was it the fifties? Was the eighties?" She was like, "White people." Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah but you know what's interesting? Like, like it, it's interesting that you would want to take nostalgia to learn about your people. Like, I'd be trying to like force white people to to take nostalgia so they'd understand. Like us. Yeah. Or, oh yeah. I mean, and it don't even gotta be like some old shit. Like just. Yeah, last week type shit. Yeah, be yeah. Rodney King for a second. Yeah, for yeah. me, for me, definitely like seventh through tenth grade. That was a hell of an experience in terms of like just learning about the difference in races mm-hmm. and and just being an outsider. Um, um, yeah, it's funny, man. Uh, you know, and this is uh, this is tangent, but it's also on subject of what we were just talking about. I was around, you know, uh. I was around a group of where I was like the only black person there. And and I'd asked a question. I was like, um, I, I said, do any of you guys ever think if ever wonder if you make your ancestors proud? And all of them were like, 
nah, we don't even ever think about that. Wow. Yeah, like, it, it really blew my mind because that's something that I, I'm very conscious of, like, you know, just knowing the history of, you know, um, black Americans in general and then sort of whittling that down to, like, my family specifically. Um, and I think about the things that I'm doing affecting generations ahead. So I know somewhere a great, great, great grandparent somewhere was, you know, doing something in the hopes that, like, that, my life yeah. would be better. You yes. know, and it's like, am I doing better with that life? Um, and, you know, if, if if I were to have a conversation with them where they'd be like, yo, I am actually very proud. <laughs> like, you know what's interesting about that um Thinking back to Ryan Coogler discussing like going to Africa and seeing things that he did not that that we do as African Americans, not understanding that it's like our ancestral practices that have stayed with us right. on a cellular level, and we just don't even know it. Right. I think that's one of those things. Yes, it, um, that's what that made me realize because yeah. you know, and, and one of one of the guys kind of came to me and he 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 actually opened up a little bit about it. He was just like, you know, I he was like, I have no connection to my past. Like, I really don't care about it like and then he he also doesn't care about like he doesn't want kids right mm -hmm. and and he's like no oh, i really don't want kids like i don't like there's no connection to the to future the or the past it's like, like well here's the thing that kind of gives me context to i'm not responsible i wasn't here right so i think the assumption of like i have no uh, collective identity with my ancestors. Right. I guess when it's convenient. I guess when you're proud of them, like it's a whole other thing. But I have no collective identity that includes my ancestors. I take no accountability for the actions of my ancestors, even when I've benefited from it. Mm. So when we say that, like, we are affected by the trauma that our ancestors experienced, that, that, that's why I think it gets dismissed. Because you you can only view things through your own headspace and your own lens, and if you're not connecting yourself with your ancestors in any kind of way, you can't wrap your head around the way that we experience that. Exactly. So bringing it back to episode one, that's why I was so bought into when they pulled us into 1921, man. Because you know, there's there's these statements that we make about ourselves, and that sometimes I I, I think. Um, and I'll just say white people just because it's like the polar opposite on the color scheme, right? Like, so um, that white people don't really take in consideration about, you know, when we say things like systematic oppression. Um, They'll tell you it's, it's bullshit it's, and made up. Right. They, that doesn't it, exist. Right. But we don't even have to, we're looking back a hundred years, right? Mm -hmm. And, and and you know, um, it's, I think it's important, like, I think it's important specifically that that's 1921. Like, that, you know, every... Hundred years, it just feels like my grandfather like a, was two years old. It's crazy, man. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it that wasn't that long ago. Um, Slavery wasn't that long ago. It really wasn't in the grand scheme of like <laughs> that time. Was a Louis, that was a Louis C.K. joke. He was like, "That's like two seventy-year-old ladies back to back. It's not that old. <laughs> yeah. Not that long ago." <laughs> yeah, yeah, shout out to Louis C.K. because he's actually funny in real life. Um, so it, yeah, like, but even even us, I don't think we fully understand the context of what really happened. You know, the, these, these places that we were in that we had like financial independence and, and where, you know, the dollar stayed in our community longer and we wow. had trades and we had, you know, you're saying all the things. Yeah. Yeah. We had, you know, all of this and then doing the things that Malcolm preached. There and, it is. And man. when did, what happened? And, and what, right. what happened? And then it's like, well, why can't you get yourself together? What happened in Rosewood? What go. happened in Tulsa? Yeah. When, when someone was talking to us about empowering ourselves, what happened to Fred Hampton? There what happened to Malcolm? What happened to Martin? Like, yep. there it is. 
And, and so I, I, you know, I, and it's just kind of thinking back to everything you guys are saying in terms of like, you know, I'm, cause I'm, I'm very like, I can't really wrap my, I wrap my head around this Dr. Manhattan thing, but I'm trying to figure out like why it's sort of sticking out to me, what you're saying. Like, He's experiencing just the way he experiences time. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm just, just like you can access your past. He yeah. can, he can access his future. It's really, but he it, can't do anything about it. That's deep. It, it really is deep. Like, no, it is. Like, when, if you think about it in the context of the conversation that we're having, yeah, that's when it now, now it's starting, it's starting to show it's, 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 you know, it's use for me because. You know, I'm just thinking superhero powers. I'm like, that's a shitty superhero power to have, really. But it's got to be torture. Yeah, it's torture, bro. Like, you know, so now I understand why he just wanted to love this lady. You know, it's like I just want to, like, put all of this shit into, like, having someone to enjoy these moments with. Um, So at least there's it it occupies my time of not thinking about what I can't do. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't know, man. There's a lot going on here. It's it's. It just seems like Lindelof almost wanted to tell a story and is just using this as the backdrop to do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He definitely he definitely said that he wanted to tackle race. He's like, if we're going to go into Watchmen, there's no way that we could. The existential threat of Russia attacking us is not a thing anymore. And so he's like, even though it's revisionist history, like what would be the thing that would be a big crisis? He's like, well, I don't have to look far for that. It's race. It's the same thing. And just to, just to show people like, through so many things. And like getting into episode six. Yes. My favorite episode. What was why was it your favorite? Um, just because it, it for everything we just talked about, mm-hmm. being able to like re like live the lineage of your family, you know, the the ideology of like things skipping generations. Um uh, you, you know, certain things are just part of you. Yeah, they're part of you. But then understanding how they skip those generations too. You know, like I I think, you know, there's certain things that I do that are going to be embedded in my daughter, but they mm-hmm. may not permeate with my daughter. They may permeate with her child. Because, like Coco kind of talked about this, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like his grandfather was a musician or his great grandfather was a musician. But because of the acts that happened, the family denounced music. And because they denounced it so hard, it was more of an interest to this child mm-hmm. who, you know, used it as this forbidden journey to find, to connect with his ancestors. connect to his past. You know, so just seeing how, like, it, it's it, it's not on a molecular level that they skip generations. It's on a, suppre- it's on a human suppression level that things get that Well, I don't think it's, skipped. I don't think it's skipped anything. So in terms of... um. Hooded Justice, like his son was there, like wanting to be just like him. And the way that he did that was to serve his country right. in Vietnam. So I don't think it skipped him. I, I understand what he you're saying. He just didn't go into law enforcement. Well, I guess what I'm speaking of is like actually putting on a mask to do it, right? So, like so, that was the, that's the part. So th- they that is very interesting to me. Like that whole episode, remember last episode of Secession, we were talking about metaphors and that the game was like a metaphor for the American dream. Yes. This is to me is sort of the same thing. Yes. Um, talking about like um, America loves black people and loves to deny black people at the same time. Yes. Like, um, and even specifically changes the meaning of his queer relationship with, what was his name? Captain Metropolis or whatever. Yeah. So it was just kind of one of those things where like their relationship was about utility. You could call it something else and you think you're experiencing something else, but that's all that it is. And like his aspiration to be part 
of the American hero story, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which basically like starts with him. Um, it's just him believing in the good guys and him wanting to be a good guy only to find out like that the, the person you're aspiring to be is just not real. It's not a real, it's not real. Mm. Mm. It's it's the same kind of thing. Like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, sort of. Yeah. yeah. So the, the pe- the people that you're aspiring to be, like you get there and realize like it's, it's nothing, not it's think. not at all what you think it is. Yeah. It it, it 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 reminds me of that like never meet your heroes mm-hmm. sort of statement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it. Um, yeah, but that yeah that seems. Well, hmm. I mean that's that's literally the point of Watchmen, is like who watches the Watchmen like, the idea that like superheroes have all this power, but what would they be like in real life? Would they abuse that power? That that's like the whole point of like Alan Moore's Watchmen. Mm-hmm. So that's a great way to like connect it. Gotcha. And the boys tells you who watches the Watchmen. Yeah, yeah. I never saw the boys. Is it you never really? saw? Oh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah you should watch. You should, I mean, if you enjoyed it. this, it's yeah. not it's not nearly as cerebral. But if you enjoy this, like you'll enjoy that for the entertainment value. For the I'll entertainment say. value. Yeah, yeah. How did Laz Alonzo doing it? He's all right. He's, he's Laz Alonzo. He's Laz Alonzo. Oh, see, yeah. I think he's an actual good actor. Right? I think he is too, but I don't think this is one of the roles that is going to showcase his range. Yeah. Ah, gotcha. Okay. It's like watching him in Avatar, like Laz Alonzo. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. All right. All right. So, so, um, so episode six was important for you for that reason. Yeah. It just, it just has so much messaging about, and then to like, how um and see Michael B. Jordan said <laughs> said earlier in an interview that he liked the story that he's in um the one the movie that he's have in mercy. Have Mercy yeah. and because he was like he loved that it was a story about a black man saving another black man, yeah. right? Are y'all familiar with Brian Stevenson? No. The lawyer man, he's if you ever get a chance to like just listen to interviews or TED talks of him. I kinda don't want to know. I kinda wanna watch the movie and then learn about him. No, 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 no. I think I well, I, I can't tell you how the experience would be better, but I'm knowing who he is and what he does, like I'm that's the only reason why I want to watch this movie. You understand mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But I don't have that context, so I'd rather like I get you. Have yeah. have like the, the the visceral emotion of like not knowing. I like that. I got you. Um sorry to cut you off. But um a story and he and you know, like one of the things that um Michael B. Jordan says, "Is like lean into that, lean into that. We have the power to save ourselves." Yes, um, I think it's the same kind of story that like we are powerful and we are the we are the first heroes of this country, right? Mm-hmm. Taking back your power and how his how his power to do good was born out of such violence against him it made him want to be a good person to triumph over it instead mm-hmm. of like pulling him to the dark side. He mm-hmm. didn't Darth Vader that situation, Star Wars and all things. Mm-hmm. So. so <laughs> I, I mean, and I also thought like, um, like we were talking about earlier, her having t- having like first person experience um, of a different time. That's because I can we can we're imagining right. Mm-hmm. We're imagining how bad things were for people who look like us, and other people romanticize that they weren't as bad as how we imagined. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think like. Getting to see it gives you a completely different perspective on who a person is. And I think it was smart of him to share that with her. He didn't expect her to take them all at the same time. Yeah. But but her sharing that, him sharing that with her gave her some context into who he was. And I guess it helped her not to hate him in the end. 
Yeah, it reminds me of a quote. There, there was a, a woman that was in my life, man. She used to say, um, uh, basically, because I don't want to like, I'll butcher it if I try to do it exact, but when you help people to see or to actuate something about themselves, you can come out on the other end resenting that person that because because there's a lot of struggle in between who you are now and what your potential is. Mm-hmm. So if if depending on how you perceive who you are when you come out of that and how much you attach yourself to the struggle in between it, you will come out resenting the person that put you through it because you put them in the you put me through this sort of chair. You know what yeah, I'm instead saying? Instead of saying, well, look where you are on the other side of it. Yes. And then, you know, you being able to detach yourself, but they still have that lived experience. Um, and now, and now the baseline is the actual experience itself. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the, you, you connect on instead that level. Instead of the growth. Instead of the, right. You connect on that level. Um, so that's, that's what I, cause he was, he was having a conversation with lady true, like, uh, or who was it? Was it, with Lady it was like yeah. she, he was like she's gonna hate me. She's yeah, yeah. I, I really, I really connected with that uh, because of that quote that this lady used to tell me all the time. Um, you know what's weird about episode six? I mean, I heard this on a podcast, but I was thinking it while I was watching the episode. It's like it reminded me a lot of like Jesse Small Smollett. Okay, because yeah, <laughs> keep going. I'm not, I'm not on board. He yeah, got he got beat by some white supremacists. <laughs> he had a, he had they a, put a mask over his they face. They put a mask over his face. They put uh, the noose. a noose on his neck. Yo. And the scene where uh, the scene where he's like wiping the makeup off his uh, son's like his son's face that's very reminiscent of like the first episode of Empire, Bro. where where Terrence Howard picks up like Jesse Smollett, Smollett, his kid character, and he. Throws him in the trash can because he's wearing heels. What? He, he, oh, wait. He physically picked them up and put them in the trash can? Yeah. Throws him away. He said, you yeah. wear heels, man. <laughs> hey, <hate> you. <laughs> yeah. First of all, so so is just is Jesse Smollett Hooded Justice? Was, was, was that Go his... Away. Was that his... Him auditioning for the role? I, I don't fucking like you. I'm not yeah. your friend anymore. Grow oh, up and be dark skinned. Um, so, damn. I, I mean, it's happening in reverse on what's this mix this. She grows up and be and becomes light skinned. So oh wow. It, all things are possible through Christ. So, wow. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like the mom kind of overreacted though. Very much. I thought so too, but because but it's like you at towards the end, like I don't think they did her character well because you see like that's like a habit for her. She's like, oh, I don't agree with you. Leave my life and never talk to me again. Right. Like she did that with like her husband and her son. Yeah. It, which is crazy, right? But but so that brings me back to my point about things skipping generations. Again, you're right. You're absolutely right. The son went on to fight for his country, but he did it in a non-vigilante way. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. it, 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 the vigilantism did skip a generation. Yeah. And that's just very interesting. Like, uh, you know, and watching things and then when you relate things back to your own life that becomes a function of human suppression as opposed to you know the like like d- some sort of like wild dna equation of things skipping generations it's like no nah, man it's suppressed because of how people react to what is happening now and how cyclical. they and yeah it's yeah cyclical in that way um which makes you know when we come into every 100 years or bicentennials and centennials why those are important even decades even like very important because it's like things are sort sort of replaying themselves out at a different octave um 
At least that's what that's what that's yes. what I see happening. Like when you see these Twitter challenges where people will tweet what they what they were doing this time last year, mm-hmm. and then like now they had to glow up, you know. But yeah, um, um, and it and it also brings me to that quote. Uh, I think Jay Z said it, but it, it came from the Dark Knight, where it's like, uh, if you live long enough, you'll see yourself become the villain, sort mm-hmm. of thing, you know, because it's like, yeah, I don't know, man. It's just time is very weird, like that, man. Um, the, in the inverses of time. Um, so episode six, yeah, that was my favorite. Episode seven kind of came out swinging with, uh, what, what happened? That's when she recovered from, she recovered from, she, she had her own memories in that one. So it told you, it told you her origin story. Right. Okay. And then, uh, I don't know. Where do we go from there? I guess the, the. I'm I'm looking at this rundown here, just trying to pick out the nutrients of what was important. Is there anything that you guys were like really taken back by, or you weren't you weren't in agreement of how they played out, or um, when it comes to this show? Like, um, well, yeah, like I said, like the way the mom was betrayed, like some of the decisions, woman. yeah, she made because <laughs> it's like, yo, you're from the same place I am, like you don't have that in you too, but um. I guess when I first saw the first episode and I saw like how pro-black it was and how much it was showing our experience, I didn't know how they were going to portray that. I didn't know how it was going to add up. It's a lot of stuff in the, those first few episodes where I had no clue how it was going to add up. But like once you get to the last couple episodes, everything like connects and falls into place, which I thought was really genius about the show. It was ex- extremely cohesive, which I was actually surprised by. Yeah, because I I thought that he was gonna leave, like I said because of the leftovers I thought he's gonna leave a lot of things in the abstract. Yeah. Um, moving on to episode eight, I was pissed when I finished watching that to because to tell me that like I think the overall like um one of the overarching messages of the show is that like black people are your heroes even mm-hmm. even though they're in the shadows like in America like black people are your heroes right they're the people that you look up to they're the people that you most admire but at the same time they're the people that are um you know how the man's foot on their neck I guess right. <laughs> you know what I mean that have had to endure so much okay um and that because I guess they're masked like it gets like um it's not recognized in mm. that certain in the same way so when when they made like the most significant heroes of the story when they made them all black. <laughs> wow. I was just like, yes. So, you know, they did that first with, with Hooded Justice, but to right. do it with Dr. Manhattan also, because the thing with Justin Thoreau was, I just knew that he was Dr. Manhattan. Right. Even though people had predicted that that Cal was Dr. Manhattan based on, you know, a few clues, I just was like, okay, well, maybe they'll show him turning into, even even after it was revealed that he was Dr. Manhattan, I was like, well, it's still going to be Justin Thoreau and then he'll become Cal. <laughs> right. Justin Thoreau didn't show up. But yeah. I was kind of like, boo, because my prediction was wrong. But then I was like, you know what? Nah, it's dope that, that God was always a black man, right? right. Um, and then, like, after you show me God as a black man, you kill his ass. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah. realistic. It's realistic. Yeah. But, <laughs> Uh, well, was Jesus he killed? was black and they killed him. It's was fine. He, was he killed or was it attempted cultural appropriation? Yeah. Yeah. They were trying They were trying to, yeah, that was some get out shit. They wanted to be him. Yeah, they wanted to be him. They couldn't let him be himself. They wanted to be him. Right. They wanted to steal everything that he had. Yeah. So, yeah, that was, 
I mean, the, you know, the whole plot, it made a lot of sense to me. Um, you know, wanting to take on the qualities of God, uh, being that you've had a, a sort of, I guess, privilege your entire life. But, um, yeah, yeah, I was, I, I mean, I, I wasn't as affected. I remember seeing the group chat. You were pretty affected by it. You know, like you had a very um, real yeah. reaction to that. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I mean, because they kind of explained he was German anyway. No, nah, he was German anyway, but it's just yeah, it's but a op- depiction. The, optics. the yeah. optics, right? Yeah, yeah, I got it. I I felt you on that. Um, I mean, I wasn't. I was like low key mad. I wasn't high key mad, yeah, but yeah. I was just like whatever because I knew I was going to see him again in the next episode, right? And so part of me was like just hoping that he wasn't going to die. Mm-hmm. That like, but I knew he was because he's never wrong because he's having a memory. Well, no one ever really dies. The powers just get transferred in an egg. Not always. This is the first time that happened. And we don't I'm even know if that sarcastic. actually worked. Uh, yeah, I was clearly being sarcastic. That was called what they call a uh, a segue into the <laughs> season finale. I would assume it worked because why else tell her to go to the swimming pool if, like, for no reason? She needed to see him there, yeah. Yeah. He said, he said that you needed to see me here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that held some type of significance, right? That's... I mean, I believe she has the powers, yeah. but I think we're purposefully like not told that. Yeah, right. Well, it's right. a pivot. You know, you can go one way. Either the story's over if you believe, or if you don't believe, there's season two just in case it comes. I mean, I don't think I don't know that we're getting a season two. I, you know what? I would have said that had Big Little Lies never came back. I I could have done without Big Little exactly. Lies coming back. And and but I think I think Big Little Lies is probably less lucrative. Of a show than a show like Watchmen. So if Big Little Lies I think came it, back. Yeah, I think Watchmen appeals to more people. Big Little Lies like mostly appeals to women. There you go. So I feel like if they bought Big Little Lies back, I don't see why. There is no argument for why they wouldn't bring this back. I don't want it next year. Yeah. I want, it, I want you to Larry David this situation. I want you to really, really not scramble to come up with a story. I want you to be very inspired to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And then you bring it back. Okay. I don't want it to just be like, well, they let us renew it, so let's yeah. just go ahead and film something to be able to put it out on a schedule. Like we could not have Watchmen for three years and I'd be fine. Right. I, I, I mean I, I totally agree. I mean I personally don't think it needs to come back at all. Um but I, I, there are people I want to know about in this universe and what happens to them. And I obviously such as um I wanna know what happened to Night Owl. I wanna know where he is. Um, he's in prison. I know he's in prison, yeah, but, but I like want what happens. I want to know what yeah. happens to afterwards. How long does he stay in prison? Because um, he he had a moral compass too. Yeah. Um, he was actually a good guy. So I want to see what happens to him. Um, I want to know whether or not Angela is God. I want to know what the implications of God being a black woman are. I mean, I already believe that to be the truth. Yeah. But <laughs> but like I want to I want to know what the implications of God being a black woman is, and I want to know what a black woman would do if she was God. Like, these are all very interesting things to explore. But I have a feeling that um, if Lindelof brought it back, even with the leftovers and we had the same central characters, each season was different. Mm. So I'm just kind of like, if he brings it back, it's not going to feel the same. Right. Which is fine. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with just knowing more about this universe and what it looks like. What's... Because 
um, they have such a liberal society and all the things that are going on. I would, I, the pendulum, what's happening here is it's the pendulum swinging back, which is what's happening in real life in real here, life, right? right yeah. um, our government departed from some of the more traditional conservative and racist values that it's had. And then, you know, the pendulum swings back and we get 45. Yeah. So, um, and it's going to swing back the other way. Yeah. Oh, but shortly here. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I would love to see what happens when the pendulum sl- swings back the other way. I'd love to see like more evil from liberals in that universe to see what that looks like. Mm. Um, Cause I don't think that's a conversation that we're having enough about how people who claim to want to help you are also don't give a fuck about you right. <laughs> as well. So interesting. There are things, and those are all my ideas. That might not even be the story he wants to tell at all. Yeah. Well, those are, those are good places to start from. Yeah. I would say those, those are good questions to have. Invite uh, me to your writer's room cuss. Yeah. <laughs> so is it safe to say that if Angela Abar is, if she does take on the powers of Dr. Manhattan, what we call her Dr. Queens. What? Oh, that, I get it. Yeah, that was a good joke. Right? No. That was pretty good. Was pretty... I still call her Sister Knight. Sister Knight, okay. Um, is there anything that is not so veiled in racism or culturalism or anything like that that we can talk about just the average viewer? Is there anything to tackle with that that we just appreciated? Or is everything There's... symbolic here? Largely, okay. <laughs> because you're supposed to be. I, I mean, Martin, you know, like you're supposed to be learning something. There's a moral lesson that you're supposed to be absorbing when you're reading the graphic novel, right? Um, I mean, yeah, it's like I said, it's layered. So there's a lot of things you're supposed to be picking up on, especially if you read comics or are familiar with like the history of comics. Mm-hmm. So you you're like it's it's basically a deconstruction of superheroes, mm-hmm. but at the same time is dealing with this existential threat of like Russia. At the same time is dealing with like the history of comics and the golden age and how people wrote and drew these things and and at the same time it's about like a revisionist history like eighty society. So And you're saying that's from the graphic novel, right? Yeah. Oh, it's excited. I didn't feel the threat of Russia at all in this damn No. Yeah. But that's that's yeah. but you think about what that spawns. Yeah. And the butterfly effect and whatever you do, how it reverberates through time. Right. So I mean I'd love to see um I mean I it, it talked more about politics and that's why I'm I'm like interested in coming back at it from a political angle of what these liberals are doing. Like Robert Redford had this information. They talked about um, him being complicit and not disclosing certain information about Ozymandias. So, like, what does that look like? What does the liberal side of evil look like? The mm. damage being done from that side look like? That's what I would be interested in that story. Mm. But, I, I mean, like, on a surface level, I think that if you're just following the narrative of the story, it's cool, but it's not that interesting. Mm. <laughs> what do you think? Oh, for this, uh, this the TV show, right? Yeah. Uh yeah yeah I mean does, it's does it my my fault to cut you off just to ask you a specific question does it satisfy the palette of like the graphic novel like of continuing yeah like viewership you know or readership um I I think the graphic novel is better mm-hmm. I think it's probably a little bit more, more concise and maybe more brilliant because it's original I mean this is. In a way, it's an imitation. I know he kind of hates people to think of it as like not Watchmen. He would he would rather people be like, "This is worthy of the this, name Watchmen." This is canon, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's not. It's very much an imitation of something better. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, 
pretty much like so outside so basically what you're saying is that like outside of all of these parallel conclusions that we're drawing uh it really doesn't have any value for you oh this this definitely has value i mean it's a it's a tv show it's a different medium like for me of course, there's these other comics. There's comics called Before Watchmen where different like comic uh, writers, they took the characters and made their own comics. Mm-hmm. There's uh, something else called Doomsday Clock, which is kind of like Dr. Manhattan meets like Superman and all these other superheroes. Nice. And I don't read any of those because like Alan Moore didn't want anybody to like do anything else of this. I watch this because it's an adaptation, so I, I could kind of be like, well, it's a different medium. It's not really like... It's not really fucking with anything that Alan Moore did. Like, it, it does. I don't have to take it seriously, so I could just watch it. I mean, I think this is a really good attempt, but I wouldn't put it up there with Watchmen. Okay. So so you need to slap another brand name on this and call it that and let it live. I mean, it could live as Watchmen. Just be like Watchmen, the TV series. <laughs> just oh, always put the TV series. Oh, like, gotcha. people calling this Watchmen is like... Watchmen Annex. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like small letters. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. Read space. Um, um, okay. I, I, that that helps me. Yeah, that helps me understand where this thing lays in the universe. It, it's definitely closer to Watchmen than the Zack Snyder movie. Okay. Because the Zack Snyder movie is just the story. It's not like all this other layered stuff in it, too. Right. The messaging is not as impactful right. in that movie at all. Yeah. Yeah, okay. definitely. Bet that. Um, is so, there any, go ahead. Would you like to see a second season? Or I'm kind of indifferent about mm. it. If, I feel like if it can't do what this one did, I don't want to have it just to have it. I want it to be meaningful. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm kind of the same way because I like Little Big Lies, but I, you know, you can tell they were trying to squeeze blood out of a turnip there with that. You know, um, and, and the way you know. I'm not interested in a third season of of them. It's kind of like I could have did without the second. You know what I mean? But I feel like this is so much more brilliant than that. So I feel like Lindelof could could do so much more than what they could do. He's not as limited as they were with that story, right? I, no, I agree with you, but at, I mean, but that's I don't a big want it point. at the expense of the story. Like there you're you saying. go. That's what I'm saying. Like if you know, it's very delicate because if if what we like about the first is what we like about the first, you know? So it's like, if you deviate from that, because you're on, you're in artist mode of like, yo, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to give you reasonable doubt again. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then you give us, you know, I don't know, blueprint three, blueprint two, you know what I mean? Then it, it could, it could, it could turn kind of bad. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could give us in my lifetime and it's fine. Yeah. My <laughs> lifetime's cool. You know what I mean? Um, So, so yeah, it, it, you know, it's funny. This is not, movie driven, but uh I just listened to um a conversation with uh Andre three thousand and Rick Rubin mm-hmm. on on uh, like the broken record podcast yeah. or something oh, okay. like that. I saw the photo of them together. Amazing conversation. Just just uh, talking about that very thing, artistry and like what it looks like, um how how capitalism um, makes it bullshit. N- no, <laughs> not really. It's like taking capitalism out and looking at it as a struggle between who you are and who you were. Mm. Right. So it's like the sophomore curse he, he, to some degree. But mm-hmm. imagine that for Andre 3000, he made a statement saying that like he doesn't have confidence in himself anymore. Oh, wow. And you that know, that is he, extremely sad. It's it's, cr- but he, he really, he explains it very simply and it makes so much sense. You know, it's, it's like, 
who what made you who you were was the it was the effect of like the person you were at that point yeah yes but nobody's listening so i can create from whatever space i want to because mm-hmm. nobody's listening to us anyway then people start listening and injecting what they actually like about your art and now when you go to approach your art it's is it is it nobody's listening or is it appease the people that have you know followed me mm-hmm. on this journey and it kind of puts you in the space of like you kind of almost lose the sense of who you are at the core because it's, it, it, it is a business decision, mm-hmm. you know, how you create your art because you don't, you don't want to alienate your fans. Wow. But you also don't want to be pigeon held to what got you here mm. because you are an artist, you know, and, and, and what, I, when I kind of took from him and just paralleling that with this, you know, what I also kind of took from um, 3000 was, you know, he's not a classically trained musician. You know, uh, he made a statement that he listens to a lot of instrumental albums now. He doesn't like to be, and he said, I know it's kind of ironic coming from a rapper, but I don't like to get bogged down with lyrics. Mm-hmm. You know, like like lyrics kind of tell you what to think about this music mm-hmm. as opposed to just experiencing the music Feeling and putting it. your own thoughts into it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would imagine that part of this becomes, I'm not a classically trained musician. I know there was a lot of flack that he caught when he played Jimi Hendrix. And then... um uh, you know, he like he had did a couple like guitar solos and guitar things on people's albums. And it was like, this ain't no this is you play Jimi Hendrix and this is what you came up with type shit. So there's probably a certain amount of um, you're very you're probably very careful when you hold certain art to a high regard. You're very careful and not misrepresenting that. Right. Like mm-hmm. you you care about what you're you know, you care about how people who were next to Jimi Hendrix receive what you're doing the Mm -hmm. real musicians that study him and that really understand what that sound is you know you might sound like an imposter to them you know so you're very mindful of that it's not really about your rap audience but it's about the audience that you want to be authentic in every step that you take so just bringing that back to Lindelof is like you know this story was authentic um you know he he had a he had a a canvas to tell whatever story he wanted. And he wanted to tackle racism. Right. And that was authentic in that way. Mm-hmm. But then if we come back for a season two, what's authentic to you now? And like, are you chasing the high that season one gave or are you looking for, you know, you trying to take the seed of that, move it into a new, you know, into a new host. And what does that look like? Hilarious. <laughs> that just went over my head. Was, Westworld. Uh, okay. <laughs> oh, right, 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 right. Got you. Got you. Got you, man. So yeah, so um, so our good art is very hard to replicate. Is Thanks. I think the the summary succinct, of that succinct version of that. <laughs> yeah, good art is hard to replicate. Um, I think you just he would have to have a topic that he has something to say about. Like I don't know if and it has to like this season very much mirrored Watchmen in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like of course it's nine episodes instead of twelve, but Watchmen was just like one run of 12 issues. So I think this is just going to be one run of nine episodes. Mm. So I don't think he would do a second season, but if he did, he would need something to talk about. Like, I don't think he could go back to race really. Right. I mean, he could, but it's, it'll get redundant. And like Watchmen, like even trying to create this TV series, you're throwing a lot of balls in the air. And I think he catches most of them at the end, Mm -hmm. but that's extremely hard to do like a second time. I think yeah. he, I think he could talk about race again, just not from the perspective of black people. It be, it may be interesting to go to Vietnam, yeah, mm. and talk about that. Mm. 
well, he connects. I mean, at the end of this, like, Ozymandias is probably on his way to prison or something like that. Of course, Lori is probably going to live out her days in the FBI. Dr. Manhattan is dead and Dan's in prison. So, I mean, those characters, they pretty much end the stories of those characters in the original Watchmen. So to call it Watchmen and then do another season that's not about them at all is kind of like weird to me. Never know what can happen. Mm, yeah. yeah. They did Halloween three didn't even have Michael Myers in it, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's, like let that sink in. Is that the one with Buster Rhymes? No. no. It's, it's about Halloween masks that yeah. make people um, Yeah. Evil. Okay. And, and like a little girl was like the star of it. Like Michael Myers was not in it. He wasn't in it at all. At all. Oh, okay. It's called like three. Season of the Witch. Had yeah. nothing to do with witches. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so just let that sink in. Um <laughs> Tokyo Drift ass niggas. Yeah, Tokyo <laughs> Drift. That's another good one. Um, is there anything else to tackle here? Or we we done here. All right, Lucy's giving me the affirmative. We are done. The affirmative. Where did that come from? <laughs> I have no idea. That's Terminator Two. Oh, affirmative. Well. Mm-hmm. So you don't say affirmative or Wait, no shit you, like that. You guys see anybody like get an award for this? Oh I, yeah, I, I think Regina King killed it. She's gonna get an Emmy, I think. Yeah, she did amazing. I think. I think. Writing I should think, be yeah. recognized here. I think so too. Um, outside of that, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. Maybe costume design. Maybe. Mm, yeah, costume yeah, design was cool. Yeah. Um, that's that's all I can see happening there. Yeah. Re- Regina King. I was. Yeah. She. She. Give her her flowers. Yeah. She did that. She did that, man. Um, the the actress that plays Lady True. I've never seen her suck. I don't know her name. I I've, should know it. I respect her a lot. I should learn her name. I've never seen her before. Yes, you have. What? She was in um Oh, have you did you see uh Downsizing? Yes. That's her. Oh, that's her? Yeah. Did you watch Forever? The episode with Jason Mitchell and the Asian lady? That's her. Forever with Jason Mitchell and Jason the- Well, the the show is um Maya Rudolph and, and Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen. Yeah, no, I haven't seen. Oh. Yeah, okay. It's good. You should watch it. But downsizing. <laughs> I'm f- familiar with downsizing. Yeah, that's her. I, I didn't even realize that that's was her. her, man. She's great. Yeah. I've not, I've not seen her suck yet. I, I, she better be Vietnamese in real life. I think she is. I mean, let's hope she is. I mean, she's Vietnamese. And- <laughs> yeah, and both of these. Well, she's half German now in this one, right? G- he was a bad Germany, doctor. Now no. he's small. <laughs> that's my favorite. <laughs> small. <laughs> now he's small. She was so funny in that movie. Yeah. Um, bet, man. Well, uh, hopefully you guys took and learned something and we opened your eyes to maybe uh, a whole parallel universe that Watchmen was speaking to. Uh if we didn't, just act like we did. <laughs> act like we did. Um, uh, you know the deal, man. Our socials. You can follow us on Instagram at kind, Instagram and Facebook at Kinda Movie Critics, and on um, Twitter at Kinda Movie Crits. C R I T S. We are available on SoundCloud, uh, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. What else, man? I know I'm missing some. I don't feel like you missed anything. Yeah, those, those are plenty. You you got to be using one of those. Uh, so, you know, just make sure you jump on and subscribe on whatever platform you listen from. Um, we do have, a again, we do have a couple of good episodes lined up. I told y'all I'm very excited about Uncut Gems. Are you opposed to doing, Leezy, just for the public a verbal contract here, are you opposed to doing a 
last man in San Francisco, last black man in San Francisco episode. Absolutely not. I'm not opposed to that shit at all. But Martin, you should watch that, man. You okay. Should, yeah, you should we can, watch we can do waves too that day if you want to do that. That day. You want to cram a bunch in one, <laughs> a bunch of A24 uh, movies just all in one? Is, <laughs> sure. that, is that what's going on? <laughs> Sure. Um, A24, sure. man, if you, if you got a marketing check to cut to, that wouldn't, you know, we like your films. We talk about them a lot. Um, so anyway, that's that. Uh, and the people, you guys can help us get there if you just like <laughs> hit us with some comments and stuff like that. <laughs> Tell some friends about us, man. Get our viewership up and maybe A24 can give us a check and we can give red fredations back to the people. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Um, but anyway, we're just going to leave it right there, man. Thank you for listening and following us on this journey. And as always, we call ourselves kind of movie critics because we kind of are and we're kind of not we're just a bunch of people that like to watch movies this has been an on-ear network production